Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to Bundesliga for Beginners. I'm Jamie Smith. Joining me today, my co-host Kevin DeVries, who you'll know from the EPL Roundtable podcast, that's the same channel as us, and John is back as our resident Bundesliga expert in inverted commas. No Jim on this show, unfortunately, because it's past his bedtime when we're recording, but we'll try and crack <laughs> on with the three of us. Um, so we're going to wrap up the season, and the big uh, game of the weekend was obviously the Pokal final. And Kev, it must have been a really painful one for this, uh, for you, a lifelong for the last two months fan <laughs> of Leverkusen, going down to quite a heavy defeat to Bayern in the, the showpiece of the German season. Yeah, well, it certainly wasn't for people warning me <laughs> before the match, but <laughs> I did foolishly get excited as though anybody but Bayern Munich are allowed to win anything. Um, but yeah, I actually thought that the match started pretty well in Leverkusen's favour. Uh, and then a sloppy foul right outside, right outside the box led to Alaba banging in a goal on the 16th minute. And then it really never quite felt like Leverkusen were going to get back into it in a meaningful way. Although Voland just insisted on missing loads of chances. I think Havertz missed one as well, um, where he was just like inches shy of where the ball was. And, and if he had put it across, Neuer would have been a really easy goal. But... There were still moments, but that, that tends to happen when you're chasing a match, as I'm sure we will talk about later. Um, but yeah, really, really disappointing on the whole. Would have liked it to have been a lot closer. I thought that the team selection was really interesting. Um, it kind of seems like... Uh, um, I always forget the celebrity you want to be. Is it Stanley Tucci? Stanley Tucci. There it is. So I didn't forget. Nailed it. <laughs> um, it, it just... It seems like he's never really found what his best 11 was, and that just kind of changed week to week. Um, and I do wonder if that kind of lack of consistency in the 11 and the squad uh, may have impacted this. Um, just to leave, um, uh, I forget if it was Bellarabi or Demirbay, but he left one of them off to like the 70th minute or some such, um, which was just really surprising to me considering how good each of them had been at moments um, since the restart. But yeah, really disappointing. Obviously would have liked uh, Leverkusen to win, would have liked for it to feel closer, although that the scoreline does a touch favor um, Bayern since Lewandowski scored in, in about the 90th minute. But yeah, it, uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't to be on the day, and apparently, historically, it never is. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll come on to that in a few minutes. Um, John, I think when we previewed the final, we all felt that it had the potential to be one-sided and that's really how it played out, and it binds us far too strong. Yeah, I, I echo uh, Kev's thoughts on on Peter Bosch's decisions in ta- tactical terms. Um, you know, we've seen Peter Bosch in finals before. You remember he was uh, the Ajax coach when they lost to Manchester United in the Europa League final, and you know, the same sorts of frustrations for me come out there, where you know he sort of has his 
particular style of play it's very gung-ho it's very positionally astute it's very exciting and flowing when it works but in these sorts of situations against a team like Bayern Munich you just don't expect it to come off and there's just so many examples of, of his team being caught out um, on the break that it just sort of it was it led to a certain amount of frustration for me because you know that Bayern are going to be strong and this is one of the games where you feel you know sit back sort out your defense make sure that you've, you you're you're at least solid and then maybe be a little bit more adventurous in the in the closing moments of the game um, and it really didn't go that way and they they sort of suffered for it but that said you know there was there was luck involved too I mean Rudetsky had one of the worst goalkeeping errors I think I've ever seen um, and that sort of thing doesn't help um, especially against a team like Bayern who you know even getting those goals back it just felt as though you, you just make that mountain so much harder to climb when you when you make those sort of silly mistakes no doubt that comes down to pressure as well and the pressure of playing against Bayern but you're right you know it just it shows up the um the the real depth in 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 quality below Bayern really or the dip in quality below Bayern um and and it's it's sort of that that's the the annual frustration for watchers of uh, of German football at the moment yeah, so that's Bayern doing the double. Obviously, they've got a bit of a wait now until the Champions League resumes because of the way football's restart from coronavirus has played out. German football's finished before everyone else because it started before everyone else. That's just how time works. Um, we mentioned the goalkeeper mistake there, Kev. I'm surprised it didn't really go down as an own goal because he kind of saved it and then put it in his own net. Yeah, darn near <laughs> but, threw it. <laughs> but... Weirdly, Leverkusen responded to that really well and probably mm. had their best moments of the game. Got a goal back, but at 3-0, it's such a tough ask in any match. But against Bayern in a cup final, that mistake really gave Leverkusen no chance of lifting the trophy. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. And like I said, there were plenty of attacking moments, especially in the latter stages of the match. Um, towards the end there, uh, Leverkusen had the three shots on target after that so it did seem like that that kind of started things off but yeah it was already it was already far too late and uh in those kind of moments you you need your best players to step up in this brief glimpse that i've seen it's not voland it has been Havertz, and like i said he was short a couple of times um leon bailey got into some really dangerous positions a few times but didn't really turn it into much um yeah it, it just you can't win if your best players don't play play at their best, and uh, they certainly didn't. And it seems like Bayern actually can win <laughs> without their best players being at their best um, in, in most cases. But they were certainly on it uh, on the day, though they might not have had to be. Yeah, I mean, talking about Bayer Leverkusen's selection, we're going to talk about him in a bit more detail later on. But Thiago on the bench, Philip Coutinho on the bench, Luke Hernandez on the bench. These are players who would start for the vast majority of teams in Europe, elite teams in Europe, there aren't that many teams that that trio wouldn't get in. Uh, it just shows how much power Bayern have. Um, and John, this keeps them on track for the treble. How do you think it's going to affect Bayern now that they've got this gap before the Champions League, whereas Premier League teams, for example, they're going to have a bit more of a clear run from the league finishing. Obviously, Bayern Munich playing Chelsea, that tie is effectively almost over already. So they'll have that one game to ease themselves back in before the rest of the competition. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how the uh, the break that they have before the Champions League starts again uh, affects them. And um, 
I, I guess the, the the real trick is for Bayern is to be able to keep their their team sort of semi match fit in that in that period. I'm not sure how long it is, maybe two or three weeks. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they manage that. And um, because you know everyone's been saying since the restart that that Bayern just really look like the best, pretty much the best team in Europe right now, um, and they're they're the, the the ones to beat. Obviously, you've got PSG in France who aren't even playing at the moment, so they've got a real uh, slog on their hands. Um, but yeah, outside of that, Liverpool obviously are out, um, and and then you know City aren't looking great. Chelsea, as you've mentioned, have have got a mountain to climb there. So um, yeah, it will be really fascinating to see how how um, Bayern look when they when they come back out. I don't know whether or not they've got any. Behind closed doors games with with any of the other Bundesliga teams plan to to sort of keep their uh, their touch in and stuff. Um, but um, yeah, it will be it will be fascinating to see how they do. And there's no reason why they they shouldn't go to that competition now, that sort of mini World Cup, and and expect to be the favourites. Yeah, I think the the bookies have got them and Man City as as favourites, which seems seems fair enough to me. I mean, what I've seen of Bayern since the Bundesliga came back, they just look completely relentless. Haven't they won every single game since football came back? So yeah, it's it's difficult to see who's going to stop them. Um, that would of course Kev be a historic treble. We've talked about Hansi Flick and the impact he's had on Bayern, but they just seem so comfortable at the moment. This is obviously going to be a unique situation trying to prepare for this Champions League, but Hansi Flick hasn't really put a foot wrong so far. So Bayern fans must be feeling quite confident about their chances. Yeah, as John said, I don't think anybody would be, feel more confident heading into it, except uh, maybe Manchester United, and they're not eligible. Um, so uh, Munich <laughs> obviously um, absolutely terrorized everybody the back half of the season. That that Dortmund match, um, I think at the time we mentioned that it kind of demoralized uh, Dortmund a little bit for the run-in and equal measure uh, propelled Bayern through the rest of the season where it never even really felt like they were challenged by anybody else that they played. If memory serves, I, I could be missing one. Um, but yeah, they, they have to be absolutely delighted with how things have gone. And the the one potential disadvantage to having been the first league back would have been that they might have picked up more injuries because they've already played out the rest of their season. And to yeah. memory, I don't think they really picked up any significant ones. So you have that then. All the other teams are going to play out the rest of their seasons, potentially picking up knocks along the way. And then they'll have to flow right into that Champions League period, whereas Bayern will have this time. Um, in American sports, there's often this debate uh, with getting uh, buys if, if you're the top team and then you don't have to play the first week of the playoffs if that's better because you get the rest or if it's worse because you aren't just in game flow. Um, but I, I can't imagine something as uh, small as not playing a match for like three weeks is going to be what derails Bayern on what feels like a quite impressive march since the restart. Yeah, I think it is a little bit longer, isn't it? It's about a month. I don't think the Champions League's going to start until about this time in August. But I think it's it's a big enough break that Hansi Flick could probably give his players a couple of weeks off and then get back in training, have a couple of behind-closed-doors friendlies if there's any teams around for them to play <laughs> in that summer break. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting one. And your point about injuries is really good. I'm just looking at the squad that they had for the Pokal final and the team pretty much at full strength there. Thiago didn't play. Um, he might come in, but that could have just been a selection thing. Um, I was just going to add on that 
um, we've not really mentioned the fact that, you know, with, with so many games being played in quick succession and with the five substitutes rule, it's really benefited clubs with deep squads. Yeah. Um, and and so it may have given us maybe a slightly inflated view of just how good Bayern were compared to the rest of the of the German teams as well. I just think that that's something that we should keep in mind as well. But I don't think it's going to come into effect in a huge amount. But I do think that the... the um, behind closed doors football after the the lockdown has actually favoured the the really elite teams more than some of the others. So, Yeah, I think that is a good point. I mean, um, to put it into context with the Premier League, I support Burnley and there's been games where we haven't been able to fill our bench or it's just been goalkeepers and kids because we don't have the resources of the other teams. So I'm sure it's been a similar situation for some of the Bundesliga games. I think probably the, the drinks break is people are still calling it, even though it's effectively a tactical mm. timeout. Um, that probably favours the big clubs as well because they've got better coaches who are more adept to changing things during games. So, yeah, it does seem like a lot of these innovations that were brought in to be protecting players um, have actually just given the big clubs more of an advantage. And I think looking at a lot of the results, not having any fans there seems to even out the chances of an upset as well. So like, a lot of games just seem to be constantly the better team just wins, um, with the exception of a game like Southampton v Man City in the Premier League at the weekend. Um, yeah, so it's, it certainly seems to be that way. Um, in terms of Leverkusen then, John, how do you consider the season as a whole finishing sorry, Kev, finishing just outside the top four and losing in the final of the cup. It's so near and yet so far, but is it a springboard for next season or is it a case of this team's going to get broken up? Well, yeah, hard to say uh, on the season on the whole since I saw two months of it in these very... The season as a whole since March. Since since March (laughs) um, in these weird conditions. Um, as we've talked about on previous shows, it has to be a disappointment given the amount that they've spent, some of the talent that they have um, in both regards. In the league, um, we've already we've already touched on uh, some of the player personnel choices that have been made since the restart that have felt a little bit odd. Um, you you got to chalk it up to some of that as well. And it, it really just feels like at Leverkusen, again, in the last two months, um, that when things are going well, they're going great. And when things are going bad, they aren't really going to turn around. Um, the, Hertha ma- the, the Hertha match especially comes to mind. Um, maybe a little bit less the final, because like I said, there were some chances there. But uh, I guess didn't really feel like uh, they were going to, to level it up, let alone take the lead. But yeah, it has to be a disappointing season. If If your targets are supposed to be, you know, well, I guess making it to the cup itself is is an impressive thing. Although, as we talked about at the time, uh, had to beat a, a third tier team to to get there. But yeah, falling short of both things, I think, uh, especially as a Tottenham fan, makes me feel the same way of just not <laughs> having the the emotional strength in the squad to overcome things like that, or or to just get the standard boring wins um, that are required to get you to to those goals. And so, like that loss to Hertha, and then. As I mentioned at the time, we needed Hertha to do it twice in a row because that's who Gladbach played in, in the last week, and, and they pretty much uh, won that match without issue, a really early goal to settle that one. So if you compare it to the, to the other teams that were in and around that area, um, since the restart, I'm not that surprised, uh, although Leipzig did, did drop a fair amount of points to, to get themselves back in that in that position. But yeah, you'd have to imagine that given the, the talent that, it's pretty inexcusable to not make it. And I, I fear that uh, a certain Kai Havertz might come to that same conclusion himself. Yeah, well, I'm going to ask you about him in a minute. Um, 
But firstly, how was Leverkusen's Twitter game during the final? Was that acceptable? Or they you... tweeted four <laughs> sad face emojis. Really? Yeah. That's that's. I think that's appropriate. It's better than what they did <laughs> against. Uh, <laughs> don't even remember who it was. Yeah, on the last day of the season. Um, speaking of social media, John, one of the things that I noticed around the final was that people were referring to Kev's team as Bayern Neverkusen which I hadn't seen before. I don't know anything about what this means. Can you shed any light on it for us? Yeah, so I've looked into this a little bit. It seems to go back to the early 2000s when uh, Michael Ballack, you may have heard of Michael Ballack. Uh, oh, yeah, was, I've heard of Michael was, Ballack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good. Um, but he was at Leverkusen back then, and uh, in, in a series of consecutive results, they... Um, they they um, were runners-up in the the league, and they found a way, way into finals, but never actually um, ended up winning. So uh, that was when the 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 term was coined. Um, but there's also um, uh, another um, trade. Well, by the company that owns Leverkusen, so hence the name by Leverkusen, actually has the issue on. Um, the 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 word visakusen visakusen means second second kusen basically because they're Oof. always um always right. second so yeah and apparently Bayern even even has the um uh, has the tri- trademark on that and, but it's interesting it's been used of other clubs as well I think so um the the term was used of of Bayern Munich in their uh, final three final losses in the Champions League the Bundesliga and the DFB Pokal so you know you get that you you hear about visa syndrome as well yeah the it's it's become such a synonymous term uh with with leverkusen that the that the the second half of the of the of the word kusen sort of stuck referring to other teams as well so it's almost like spursing it up um or or doing a lead so there we go we'll we'll get my team in there as well but I don't, i've never heard of anyone Jamie? doing a burnley what? yeah i was yeah. gonna say doing a burnley no, flying a plane around with offensive messages on it or something. Yeah, that's, I don't think we should get into that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it might just be one of these where it just fits the name, though you only have mm. to change one letter to get Bayern Everkusen. Yeah. It's just looking actually at the, the finals that they've lost. I remember the Champions League final because obviously it was um, mm. that goal from Zidane, one of the yeah. greatest goals in finals of all time, the volley from the edge of the box. So, yeah, I think if you're going to play Real Madrid with Zidane in his pomp in a final, you're going to play this Bayern team in a final with all the talent they've got. It's maybe a bit unfair to hint that that team are, are perennial losers just in case coming up against better teams, I think. Um, you mentioned Kai Havertz there, Kev. Scored a penalty with, was it the last kick of the game? And potentially his last belts, kick. Yeah. Potentially even his last kick as a, as a Leverkusen player. There seems to be a new team linked with him every day at the minute. It seems very much like his agent is touting him around. Um, but we've spoken on the show before, it's unclear what the transfer market is going to look like because of coronavirus, whether teams are going to be able to spend. Chelsea are one of the teams that have been opening their wallet, um, but they seem quite stacked for attacking talent now. Um, you think Leverkusen has sort of resigned to losing him, but you don't want to let him go on the cheap, do you? Because you're going to need to use that money to rebuild. Yeah, well, I'll, I will start this off by saying I know literally nothing. No inside info to bring, obviously. <laughs> um, but I was actually thinking about this earlier because it does seem like he wants to go, and as we talked about last time, absolutely deserves to be in and amongst Champions League football. Um, and my new theory, especially because of all the COVID stuff, is if they do that expensive loan where you get like 15 million pounds or euros, I suppose, Um as like the loan fee, and then it's a loan to buy that triggers in the in the winter window. 
um, so that you're getting yeah. all that money pretty quickly. But while we're still trying to adjust to what's happening post-COVID, um, the team getting them wouldn't have to put up all of that money up front. Uh, actually kind of similar to the Lo Celso deal that Tottenham did this season, um, obviously without the COVIDs <laughs> at the time. Um, but I think something like that might happen. As I said on the last show, when you asked me if I thought this would be the last match, my my gut is that Higaon, um I know nothing uh, outside of that. Apparently, um, ownership wants to speak with him to discuss what the future holds. Uh, I feel like that conversation is going to be, we want you to stay. I don't want to stay. Okay, the end. <laughs> I can't yeah. imagine it going too You never December, know, though. I mean, except in we Germany. thought it was going to be, we thought it might be similar with Leipzig and Timo Werner, but it seems like they actually were quite keen for him to go because they wanted the money and to refresh the setup, obviously. Well, yeah, if they can get the money up front, I very wouldn't be surprised if they get it, but I would imagine that he will command a higher fee than Werner. I don't yeah. know. Does that, seem, does that seem right to you, John? I think the, the issue, the difference between RB Leipzig and, and uh, Leverkusen is that if, it seems like RB Leipzig are obviously very clear about what, what their future plans are. So they have a structure and they're very careful with, with, with sort of selling players at high and, and bringing in young talent um, with the money that they get. Whereas I don't get the impression that Leverkusen has that sort of foresight or forethought. Um, and so I, I suspect Leverkusen will try and keep um, Havertz if they can. Um, whereas with with Leipzig, it was more of a case of they they needed him to they needed to get rid of Timo Werner because they needed to have the influx of money at, at, the, at his peak of value, and and then they could uh, restructure yeah. their squad on the basis of that. It was built into their plan that Werner was mm. going to be sold. Yeah. Um, so the latest in the media about Havertz, which isn't necessarily accurate, um, Leverkusen's managing director. Rudy Voller told Bill that there is an agreement with Havertz that he can go this summer if it fits. So presumably that means if the money's right. Um, and a newspaper in England, Kev, says that Chelsea are trying to sell six players to raise money. Um, so potentially like... It seems like quite the process. Players. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's going to be... Uh, but the potential for a cash plus player thing. I think there might be like a lot of these like swap type deals like Juve, Barcelona with Pjanic and Arthur. I wonder Which if was very weird. We'll save them for our uh, Serie A slash La Liga pod next year. Yeah, or the financial accounting podcast. <laughs> it might have to seem <laughs> like that was one for the bank. Um, but let's go quick fire. These are the six lads that Chelsea are apparently trying to get rid of. Would you mm-hmm. want any of these at Bayer in in return? Michi Batshuayi. Probably better than Volant. I want, uh, we want him at Leeds. Ooh. We'll bring I him like, in. I've always liked Batshuayi. I think he's, he's always done a reasonable job. Work with yet. Bielsa as well. Yeah. Previously. I don't, think, I don't think Leeds have got a chance. Um, Marcos <laughs> Alonso. Nope. Uh, Danny Drinkwater. Ha! <laughs> 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 so that was a no. <laughs> Timui Bakayoko. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Really? I don't know. I don't know where he'd fit in that midfield, though. To be fair, no. Um, I mean, I I like Alonso. I think he's all right. Um, Kennedy, remember Kennedy? Nope. As as soon as Newcastle um, brought him back, he just nope. Yeah, that, one of the worst individual Premier League appearances of all time, <laughs> Kennedy, and whoever that was against, where he missed, he managed to take a penalty and then missed it. Um, and then lastly, another left back, Emerson Palmieri. Any interest? I'd be more interested in Palmieri because of the age. Um, but I think what we're discovering is Chelsea are trying to get rid of these players for a reason. Very good. <laughs> like if it had been like the Zumas of the world, where you're like, yeah, is he going to get his minutes? I don't know. Or, or Andres Christensen. I'd be way more interested in that than that batch of yeah. what are technically footballers you just rattled off. Yeah. Are they so, basing the value of, of habits on however much they get for those six players? I think so. It says here. <laughs> that might know, not work the out. Headline. <laughs> They want to get rid of these six stars to fund a 90 million Havertz deal. Stars. They're going to get anything like 90 million pounds for, <laughs> for this six. They might get 9 million pounds for this six. I think 90 million is a, uh, pushing it a little bit. One other guy that um, wasn't on our plan for the show, so I'm going to drop this on you, but it keeps being linked with moves away is Leon Kev. Mm. He's seen that much of him since the restart. I don't know if he's been fit, but scored a couple of goals in a win over Bayern at the end of last year. Um, that maybe woke up some attention towards him. It feels to me like a player that's never really kicked on. He's, he seems to be the next big thing a couple of years ago and hasn't necessarily happened. Yeah, totally agree. In the first show that we did when we were talking about Leverkusen, I was asking John why uh, all of the like young stars that were at, at Bayer Leverkusen had never really kicked on, like Jonathan Ta or like Leon Bailey. I think I included Havertz in that list, and now we know how dumb I was back then. Uh, <laughs> now I know a little bit more. Um, but, uh, yeah, I if you could get a lot of money for Leon Bailey, I wouldn't say no. I, I genuinely, and this, this could be just um, matching perception with what you see on the pitch, but Vertz is definitely way worth more for what he's worth than Bailey is worth what what a fee he could generate would be um even though Diaby is intensely irritating to watch at times um I still think that I would prefer having him and developing him more um than Bailey and that could be incorrect even um but yeah I just haven't been that that impressed by Bailey when he's played and as you said that wasn't every match by any stretch since the restart yeah he's um Again, looking at the papers, it seems like an agent trying to tie him around. There was a piece in the Athletic this morning that basically said Bailey's trying to move. 
<laughs> didn't quite say it quite so boldly, but that was clearly the subtext that, that Bailey's trying to get his name around there. Other headlines recently, Bailey keen on Premier League move. Well, yeah, so my doesn't mean it's necessarily going to happen. <laughs> you don't think? Um, what's what? Dude, you're about no, an injury away from starting for Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> I, I keep get, taking my boots and it's you know, I haven't got the call yet but yeah I'm over I'm 32 now so I might well miss a but um, John what's the deal with Leon Bailey because he, he seems to be touted as like a superstar I remember stories in the papers about various countries fighting for his nas- uh, international eligibility and he just seems to have really dropped off the radar yeah, it's an interesting one. You know, I, I was watching him back in when he broke through in the, onto the scene and uh, Leverkusen. He's just an exciting talent. He 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 was you know explosive. He 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 could run defenses ragged. He's um, just a, a really incisive player, really efficient, and uh, has great great shooting ability as well. Um, I don't know whether or not the 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 sort of immediate um, impact that he had maybe played into this sort of expectation that he was going to be the next big thing. There was obviously all that talk about him potentially playing for, for England and whether or not, you know, we're, we're talking like two, two, three seasons later and he's still at the same club and uh, hasn't really kicked on. Um, and I, I suppose that's that's a sort of tough to take as a young player when you are expecting that your trajectory is going to be a little bit more meteoric, especially in a in a team where you're seeing other players make exactly the sorts of moves that you yourself wanted yeah. to make. Um, but I, I suspect that he'll be OK. Um, I, he, maybe he will move away, but I, st- I think we'll, we're going to see more from him um, in, in, in the future. I just think having seen him at his absolute best, um, you know, there's no way that he's not going to get picked up by someone. Um, and uh, the, then the question is whether or not it's a good fit there. But um, he's just a little bit too streaky. I think he, he, he's, and he's clearly a confidence player. And I think it will be interesting to see what his future looks like from here. Yeah, it might just be that he needs a move, a fresh start somewhere else, mm. work with the right manager in the right system, around mm. different sorts of players. But it's going to be a big move, isn't it? If he gets the the wrong move, then it might really be the end of him as being seen as like this elite talent. I suspect so, but I guess he he'll be probably commanding the sort of contract that will sort him out financially at least for the next few years. So I'm sure he'll he'll be fine in the long run. Well, that's a good point. Maybe players get paid too much, and maybe that's why they don't develop as much as they should do. But that's mm. a whole other debate that I'm sure we could uh, spend plenty of time on. Um, coming back to Bayern Munich, one deal that has already gone through Bayern Munich moving very quickly, Kev, to snap up Leroy Sane. Mm. Deal that we've talked about briefly on the podcast before because it, it just seemed certain to be to be rubber stamp but in the end went through very quickly Pep Guardiola basically had a news conference before one of the games said that Sané wasn't going to sign a new contract and therefore he would have to be sold and then within a couple of weeks it was done um, Bayern have clearly wanted Leroy Sané for a long time but it's got to be frightening for the rest of the Bundesliga hasn't it that they're already so much better than everyone else and now in Sané when he's fit one of the best wingers in the world is going to join them yeah, he's obviously just a, a, an incredible threat. I just looked it up real quick here. Uh, 10 goals, 15 assists, 10 goals, 12 assists in his two uh, full seasons. And then 5 and 7 in that first one when he was first getting bled into the team. Uh, just I, I really don't know who is going to keep track of him. I know we've talked before about um, so the, some of the tactics in the Bundesliga and how it might uh, vary to, um, say, the English game a bit more. And uh, some of those coaches, those laptop managers, are going to have to figure out how to deal with Sané real quick. Um, because if they're trying to play with attacking wingbacks to, to generate attack and then two or three at the back, I can't imagine that'll go particularly well. 
Um, but yeah, obviously a big signing. This this deal has been rumored for what two three years now, so certainly not a surprise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just. Bayern getting stronger as usual. Also, I don't know if there's a homegrown rule, but if there is, this helps that. That's a good point. I think um, it seems to be very close to being done a year ago, didn't it? And then Sané played in the Community Shield Oh, and game got hurt. And got hurt, yeah. yeah there was a lot of talk about Bayern were going to pay €100 million Euros plus for him. And now they've got him on the, on the cheap, John. It seems like an incredible value deal if Sané stays fit and gets back to the form that we've seen at Man City, it's going to look like an incredible bargain for, for Bayern and presumably means that they might have more money to spend on somebody else. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how his, I think it was a knee ligament injury, wasn't it? Which is, um, at, at his age, I think a little bit worrying. Um, you don't want, obviously, any recurrence of that kind of um, knee injury. And originally, they were hoping to bring him in because they'd obviously, Ribery and um, Robin had retired. They had Kingsley Coman as a potential option <clears throat> as a wide player as well. But he um, has constantly been having um, ankle injuries. So Schnabry was was on loan at, at Werder Bremen at the time. Uh, and so he, I think he was just sort of part of that plan. They brought in Ivan Perisic as a, as a cover this season uh, and that wide wide areas. But yeah, it, again, you know, that just frightening, frightening um, ability that they've got in, in wide areas now. Kings to Komen, they can play wide. They can play Serge Nabry, as I mentioned. They could probably play Alfonso Davis as a, a wide player as well as if they wanted to. And it may be interesting to see whether or not he's played there at any point in the in the future. So yeah, it's I think he's just um, bolstering that, those those sort of out and out wide players and in their forward line and um yeah if he's if he's back to full fitness he's gonna terrify defenders um and yeah Bayern look the stronger for having him do you think he he goes into that team instead of of maybe Coleman on the left I Just think play the fit one. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah maybe whoever, that's whoever's what the, not injured will play <laughs> yeah they basically bought a knee and an ankle essentially so <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens with that but yeah I, I suspect that um they will try and fit I think they'll probably go with Sané as a starter when you're spending that amount of money. Um, and and then they'll probably bring Coman off the bench. Um, and they'll, I think they'll probably start Nabry um, as, as, a, as a regular starter. Although, I mean, they've got so much flexibility. There's so many things they could do. They could set up whatever formation they wanted, really, and they would have coverage, pretty much double coverage in every position. So, yeah, but I, I suspect Sané will start for that sort of price. You, you You'll be looking to start him more often than not. It's certainly a frightening prospect, the sort of front four that Bayern could be fielding um, next season. But behind them, Kev, there's been a surprising one that I, I didn't really see coming at all. Talk about Thiago Alcantara maybe leaving the club. Um, he's only got one year left in his contracts, and Bayern's suits have essentially come out and said, if he doesn't want to renew, we will sell him. There's been talk about Liverpool, but um, we've spoken on the pod before. He's sort of the, the old and sung hero in this mm. Bayern team. He makes them tick. Uh, and if they did lose him, obviously they've got plenty of options like Goretzka, Kimmy. They've got midfielders who can play at a very high level. But I do think they'd miss Thiago if he left. Yeah, I mean, to your point, they could just take another random left back and make him a world-class central midfielder. But uh, yeah, it would be definitely surprising. Although rumors like this have kicked up before. Actually, um, maybe two or three summers ago, um, Thiago was Pochettino's main target. And I think he wasn't playing as much at the time for some reason. Um, so not the first time we've seen Premier League links by any stretch and hard to imagine, uh, not hard to imagine why, considering how talented he is. Uh, but as you mentioned, 
he's been absolutely incredible for them and very unsung hero because he's not going to be the guy scoring goals and he's not really going to get that many assists. He, he might get those hockey assists or assist of assists, if you will. Um, but yeah, I, I think in a, in a team that scores so many goals, the person that isn't scoring goals isn't going to get the shine as much as they need. But yeah, he definitely takes things over for them, can carry the ball through the lines, can pass through the lines. Just incredible vision as well. Just incredible incredible player and on a personal note really hope he isn't about to join liverpool uh yeah i mean talking about sane going to Bayern and that making them incredibly strong i think liverpool with thiago would be uh quite frightening prospects Uh, what strikes me about this one john is that it's difficult to think of players Bayern have lost sort of against their wishes this doesn't really seem to happen if they want to keep a player and they normally get rid of players at the right time. I'm thinking of like Schweinsteiger. Mm. He was still considered to be a top player, but Bayern obviously figured that he was done. So let him go to Man United, and within a few weeks, it was clear that he was done. Um, what's your view of this Thiago thing? Because it seems like Bayern are almost resigned to seeing him go. There's a lot of talk of new challenges and wanting to play in different leagues, which the subtext is sometimes wants to earn a lot more money. Um, and get a big payday towards the end of his career. But I'm not sure that's the case with Thiago. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's um, He's obviously, he's, he's 29, so, you know, you'd think this is his last big contract. Um, I suspect, given that he's obviously, is is not German, I think that's the difference maybe here, that that where it is someone like Schweinsteiger, you know, they grow up and, and Bayern is the sort of pinnacle of, of their country's uh, footballing pyramid. Um, I suspect Thiago is maybe not wedded to the, the idea of staying in Germany for his, for basically the majority of his career and probably just wants to try something out new. Um, and I think, you know, that as as you've said, it, it, it's very much the case that this is probably a squad churn thing anyway. They'll probably be happy to lose um, Thiago for some money, um, especially given the we've already talked about the, um, the COVID-19 uncertainty in the footballing transfer market. I suspect they'll try and get as much money as they can for him uh, and try and bring someone new in when you've got someone like Joshua Kimmich as a backup there. You, you really probably don't worry too much about about um, trying to replace Thiago. It makes your life a lot easier. So it just sort of comes down to a, a squad churn thing and and uh, try and ba- uh, get a little bit more of a balance in the books for you. So I think it probably works for everyone um, uh, on the, on that basis. Yeah, it, it will be interesting to see where he's going. Um, and maybe buying Cannafall to lose and Goretz because had a really good season, hasn't he? Obviously, Kimmy moving into midfield. People have talked about it for a long time. Been an unqualified success. Um, just looking at Thiago's record, uh, before he joined Bayern, won the league two years running at Barcelona, won the league, trying to count, seven ta- seven years in a row at Bayern. So anyone who wants to win a league uh, by Thiago Alcantara would be <laughs> my, my advice on that one. Uh, yeah, depending on the... Depending on the CAS uh, ruling on Monday, I think it is. You know, City could be really yeah. impacted by not being in the Champions League, so it could mean that Liverpool are going to win the the league for the next few seasons. So you, you never know. Maybe maybe Thiago to Liverpool isn't looking that bad. Yeah, it's certainly. Um, I know Liverpool have been making noises about not signing anyone, but I think if Thiago's available at the right price, um, they'd probably be a bit daft not to to go for it because I think it does improve um, their team. The other player, just before we move off the, the sort of transfer talk section of the show, I wanted to talk about John was another buying player, Philippe Coutinho. Seems like he's going to leave at the end of his loan, which seems to have been on the cards anyway. Um, 
hasn't really worked out, has it, Coutinho at Bayern? Why do you think that is? Yeah, I don't know, really. Um, again, you know, he's moved into a team there that's stacked with talent and it's not as if they've needed Coutinho to be the sort of player that most people need Coutinho to be when he's in their team, which is a sort of difference maker or a moments maker. Um, and as a result of that sort of, you know, he's, he's not really stood out in a, in any sense. He's the, the sort of player when he was at Liverpool, at least, um, who would would actually play quite well slightly deeper in the field pick the ball up and and do his sort of trademark curl shot from from the the left hand side of the box almost almost robin like but um Bayern really don't have to rely on a play like that they've had Lewandowski who is that fulcrum around which the goal scoring happens they've got um Thomas Muller who we've talked about a lot in this in this um podcast because again he's just just a real facilitator this season. And so I think as a result of that, you know, Coutinho has been sort of neither here nor there. Um, I, again, I think they they brought him in as a potential um, replacement for um, for um, Ribery and Robin variously. Um, and and in the, in the end, they, ha- they haven't really needed to use him that much, but that's because they're buying and they have depth everywhere. So uh, it's just not really worked out for him, but he's a curious player, isn't he? He's, he's never really felt like he's clicked anywhere that he's been. Um, and we're sort of still seeing a sort of player with, with incredible potential talent and incredible ceiling, not really fulfilling that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up next season. Cause I'm, I'm not sure there's going to be a place for him back at Barcelona. They seem to have given up on that idea and also have no money. <laughs> so they're going to be desperate to get rid of him. Uh, the, the funny thing with Coutinho, Kev, is that when he went to Bayern in the first place, you looked at their sort of squad and probably thought, oh, number 10, Coutinho's number 10. They don't really have a creative sort of number 10. They'd had James Rodriguez before, hadn't necessarily worked out. So Coutinho was like the replacement or number 10. And then Thomas Muller turned into the best creator in Europe. So Bayern always seems to come out on top even when they sign <laughs> someone that it doesn't really work out. Yeah, I mean, Coutinho at his best is incredible. Obviously, the the creativity and the the free kicks in particular stand out, the the shots up from outside the box. Um, But yeah, as you said, and as we've talked about before on the show, picked a really bad time to show up with uh, Mueller really stepping it up and then setting that assists record. Not really sure he fits there. I don't think he would really step back into the team at Barcelona either. It's really looking like a pretty crazy transfer. And then you think about the fact that all of that money and the formational shift it it forced Liverpool to take is what made them the powerhouse that they are now. Um, it, it it didn't benefit Barcelona, <laughs> but it very much benefited uh, Liverpool for sure. <clears throat> I'm really curious with, with Coutinho because uh, he's been linked with Tottenham before and a, a lot of other teams Um, Because it sounds like his agent is just trying to find him a landing spot where he'll actually play minutes. And I think. He's also got the right agent, hasn't he, for Tottenham? (laughs) He does. Um, But uh, I think it's really weird that a lot of fan bases, when they get linked to him, are just outright saying no. Like, I agree he hasn't been at his best in a while and arguably never really lived up to the full potential that he had, but he's still an incredible player. And for a team like Tottenham that's clearly lacking uh, creativity at the moment outside of just Lo Celso, I would certainly welcome him there. And you'd imagine that uh, clubs at, at our level and slightly above would certainly benefit from having him, although you know, probably his days at the, the top of the top are done with uh, not being able to break into either Barcelona or Bayern. Yeah, it's, it's probably not a good year to be Coutinho either with his sort of wage demands, the sort of fee that Barcelona would be wanting. This could probably move a bit of a side 
quest. <laughs> Not really Bundesliga related, but seems to be a lot of top players in that sort of bracket this summer. I think of like Dembele at Barcelona is in a similar position where he doesn't really seem to fit after a big move. Hamlet mm. Rodriguez at Real Madrid, he doesn't still fit. Gareth Bale, Zinedine Zidane hates him for some reason. So <laughs> there's a lot of elite talent around. It's a question of, is anyone going to be able to afford them? Are they going to be able to move or just going to spend a year not really playing and getting paid an absolute fortune? I mean, I can think of worse lifestyles, but mm. these are footballers. <laughs> they want to play football, don't they? It's, it's a funny one. That's a good I question. I think football's maybe changed a little bit in response to that you know we talked already about how Bayern a lot of their creativity comes from the back so they rely on players like Kimmich and, and Alaba to do a lot of their creative work in, in terms of transitioning the ball um, and we're losing that sort of sense of those moments players that we've talked about like Coutinho like Dembele like Bale who who are just sort of intense ball carriers who, who just sort of blitz defences and uh, and we're, we're maybe seeing a little bit more maybe smarter football at the higher levels maybe the elite teams are, are becoming more and more competitive with one another and so they have to be a little bit more savvy but I don't know that's just a personal theory it's certainly it, possible I think the, the transfer market's going to be fascinating this summer yeah I definitely agree with that too just I think the mentality of I need to make my money while I'm still playing is definitely more predominant than like, for example, wow, I just don't know anything about football that isn't Tottenham related. Um, with Vondervaart, <laughs> who was at Real Madrid making big money and just wanted to play Champions League football with Tottenham, had just gotten into it and it led to that shock deal. Um, so yeah, I, I I think maybe that era is a little bit gone, kind of kind of to what John was talking about. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so switching tack a little bit from your Gareth Bales of the world, uh, Monday night, is it Monday? Never got any idea what date is these days. Um, was the second leg of the relegation promotion playoff game to, to bring it back to German football, which the podcast is allegedly about, despite <laughs> our tendency to go off on random tangents. Um, John, I don't know if you saw much of the first game that ended nil-nil. I didn't see any of it. But the second game turned out to be really, really entertaining. Ending 2-all and Verder, Verder. Did it end 2-all? Yeah. <laughs> was just about, just like, about. Was it two all? Yeah, they got the second one right at the end. Of it. Ended two all, and um, all the action seemed to be right at the end. But you told us it was going to be a lot of fun this game, and although the first leg didn't really live up to expectations, the second one definitely did. Yeah, it was an incredible game, wasn't it? Um, really end to end stuff. Uh, it it so happened that 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 own goal that Heidenheim scored very early on um, changed the 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 uh the tenure tenor of the game i think from that point on because heidenheim then had to score two goals so they had to come out and um it made for a, a really quite exciting game i thought Werder bremen were fairly unremarkable i think you know at this point bremen should always be being a team like Heidenheim, given the disparity between them, uh, the obvious disparity. And uh, I was quite disappointed with with Bremen, actually, the, the manner in which they won. You know, they sort of, they got that goal out of nowhere and then they sort of sat back and uh, and, and ended up getting a goal on the break, um, which was which was nice. I mean, it relied on a, um, a fairly bad piece of defending uh, from Toya Kauf. Um, and yeah, I think that from that point onwards you know the, the game was set and they they just had to go from there and, and there, there wasn't really um anything other than other than um attack that they could do so yeah it, it made for a fun game for us but um it was a little bit unfortunate for heidenheim yeah and the same ending as the, the Pokal final with a penalty the last kick of the game that ultimately mm -hmm. didn't mean anything um euphemistically john sort of danced around it there but 
the own goal, Kev. We've got to talk about the own goal. One of the best own goals you will ever see. You've got to feel sorry <laughs> for the lad that he's uh, potentially cost his team promotion to the Bundesliga by sticking it in his own net in spectacular fashion. Yeah, uh, top bins, I believe, as the kids are saying uh, in the streets. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, just an, obviously an embarrassing moment. I don't think it's necessarily worse than uh, Hrodeski just, just throwing it into his own net. But, no, yeah, no, I mean, that's very true. <laughs> yeah, but you just, you obviously have to feel bad for him, especially in a situation like that. Uh, to have that happen has to just be humiliating. Although, they did, they did try to get back into it. But once you're that goal down um, and, it's, and it's an away goal, we actually talked about it on, on the last show about whether or not away goals was going to be a factor. And I think it's two years in a row now that away goals have been what decided it. So to let in that goal mm-hmm. that early and then have to try to fight back the whole match, get one back, and then immediately concede another one. Um, but then getting the penalty at the end. But yeah, you mentioned it, it just didn't mean anything. But as for the own goal itself, spectacular. Everybody go watch it, but you do have to feel bad uh, considering the, the course that that set the rest of the match on. Yeah, I think with the away goals rule, it really makes a big impact in a situation like that because if it had just been 1-0... Heidenheim would have maybe thought, well, this is okay, we can stay in the mm. game and then have a goal later on. But because of what the away goal means, that it effectively counts double, as people always say, they knew that they had to get two. And that just made it so much harder. What I will say, John, the defender who scored the on goal, he did seem to recover. I remember watching the last weekend of the season when Hamburg completely fell apart. And there was one guy having a, a David Louise of a performance. He cost his team about three goals in 10 minutes absolutely remarkable to watch i was watching it through my fingers um but I, I felt like heidenheim gave a reasonable account of themselves obviously never watched them before seemed to lack something in the final third um but what do you think is going to happen to to verde now because this was a really bad season for them they've been in europe recently it's not that long since the club won the league traditionally one of the better clubs in europe in germany um and a coach that was quite highly rated and so a bad a bad season this time out. Yeah, it's it's hard to know really what went wrong because, as you said, Florian Kofeld is is very highly regarded in in German footballing circles. He was, I think, one of the same crew as uh, as Julian Nagelsmann and Domenico Tedesco, who are sort of held up as being the the bright young talents of of German coaching, and they. Um, they speak of him as though he's a, a an equal of, of theirs and is spoken of in the same way tactically as as much as anything. So it's hard to know really what went wrong. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, it, in this sort of game, you know, it's a real indictment of them that they can't. I mean, Heidenheimer, uh, when you consider the two clubs in terms of the the financial clout behind them, it's just a it's a no brainer. Like Werder Bremen should have been winning this game on their own merit and I I came away from watching it feeling as though that wasn't really the case um, mm. I suspect a big reset will be needed I suspect that there'll be some kind of inquisition at, at Werder Bremen where they where they discuss what's gone wrong and how things are going to go going forward I've heard that they're putting their faith in Florian Kofeld, Um but clearly something needs to change um, because because on the showing of this season they've just not been good enough and um, they've been pretty lucky really to to get through these these two games um, unscathed yeah I think uh, my only insight on this is that they should get rid of Davy Classen he just seems to be a big jinx on every club that he goes to on <laughs> the basis them of today. Everton yeah Everton was terrible when he was there Birder are now terrible now he's there that seems to be enough to build this theory on so yeah my plan is um, get rid of Davy <laughs> Classen <laughs> 
we're coming towards the end of the show now, and obviously the season's finished. So Kev suggested we look at our favourite moments of the season slash part of the season that we've been watching the Bundesliga for two thirds of us anyway. Um, Kev, I assume you've got a belter since it was your idea to talk about this. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> putting the, you right on the spotlight. This better be good. Next minute of the podcast, this is all it's on you. Gold. <laughs> this is why you tune in and subscribe or don't. Um, for me, I think it has to be the Munch and Gladbach match with all of the historical context that we talked about previously. Um, where Leverkusen seemed to fall short in big moments going up against uh, a club that was chasing in that same pack for uh, Champions League football to show up and win 3-1, I thought was really, really impressive. And I thought it showed a lot of uh, the grit that then found out that they didn't have when it was needed in in, uh, less high-profile matches and then the most high-profile match. But in that moment, it just really felt like they were going to be able to achieve what they wanted. Obviously, Havertz double in there. Bender scored in that match the same way he did uh, in the final. So maybe uh, he he should get to to score in more uh, or he just shows up when uh, the marquee lights are lit up. But yeah, in that moment, it felt very much like Leverkusen had taken command and we're going to be able to stroll to a Champions League uh, spot. Obviously, isn't what ended up happening, but... Uh, as for Leverkusen in particular, that match really felt like a turning point. Also, one of the games that really announced that Havertz was having such a storming second half yeah. of the season. Uh, so it got all, all the other clubs really interested in it. Um, John, we gave you a bit of time to think about this. So <laughs> what have you come up with for us? Well, when you follow Freiburg, there's, there's not a huge amount of uh, high points in many respects, or at least uh, there's the sort of season-defining high points in the same way that you might expect with other seasons. But uh, the win against Gladbach, um, where at the end of sorry, it, Christian Streich... <laughs> yeah, sorry, Jim. Um, where Christian Streich did the very much not uh, obeying distancing rules celebrations with his coaching staff afterwards was was quite uh, enjoyable. He's a, he's a great manager. He's a great human being and uh, it was great to see him happy so that was i think that was my high point i was gonna jokingly answer that when you were done with your serious answer and i'm just really glad that we were on the same page on that because it was hilarious and it looked like one of the guys <laughs> didn't want to be hugged he's like no no the rules and he's like hugs it was amazing <laughs> yeah uh, yeah they might die but at least they beat be, be gladbach right so yeah, that's that's, that's, the, that's the spirit that's the real, that's the real quiz um <laughs> Yeah, I'm struggling to think of highlights for Eichsberg because it's been so terrible. But it's got to be Nida like no missing a penalty and then blaming it on <laughs> there not being any fans in the stadium. Just a completely illogical <laughs> statement. Made absolutely no sense. Like, why would that mean that you missed? Um, I feel like and, you broke Nida Niederlechner. Uh, it's. I don't think I saw him score. He did get a couple. <laughs> he got a couple like when that, you weren't watching. Yeah, yeah. That, that was by the time the scene that I'd given up entirely on being an Augsburg fan. There's one game where I tuned into the stream about two minutes in, and he'd already scored. It's <laughs> like, oh, oh, fine, yeah. um, and away from that, I've certainly the first goal since the restart. There's obviously so much pressure on the Bundesliga to make sure that it happened correctly and then early Haaland scored that lovely goal and celebrated with his iconic social distancing celebration I'm yeah. sure that'll be one of the images that gets replayed um, when people look back at what's been a very very unusual um, part of the season um, Kev normally at this point we tell people to, to like and subscribe but this is the last show of the season so don't need to do that now <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but if unlike you, and unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah, you could unsubscribe if you want. But regardless of if you're subscribing or unsubscribing, you can do so at iTunes or at Spotify or through Acast. And you can find the show at Bundesliga Pod as well as the EPL Roundtable and a championship pod, which are all out through the same EPL index group of things. I'm not going to make any weird comments about you listeners. You were great in this short period, uh, and I don't know if the plan is is to come back or what, but regardless, we've enjoyed you while we've had you. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if, if you get really bored and you're new to the podcast, go back and listen to the old episodes. They're good as well. Um, so yeah, like like Kev was saying, last show of the season. Now we're not sure exactly what we're going to be doing next year. Now, but thanks to everyone who's listened, got in touch with comments, feedback, questions. You can still get in touch with us at Bundesliga Pod. Thanks to Jim as well as joining us on most of our shows, and James who filled in on occasion as well. John's been our Bundesliga expert and has put up with all manner of terrible questions from all of us, but, but mostly Kev. Me. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> eternal patience from John McKenzie. You can get him on Twitter, John underscore McKenzie. Kev is at Kevrov. I'm at Jamie Smith Sport. But that's it for now for us here at Bundesliga for Beginners. Thank you very much for being with us. Goodbye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.